We are kind of wrapping up this three-week talk conversation series. You call it whatever you want to call it, called Bless His Heart. And we've been taking a look for the last couple of weeks at this guy who was one of Jesus' closest friends, who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of the followers of Jesus that was the original followers of Jesus, right? And this guy's name started out as Simon, but Jesus changed his name to Peter. And we've been talking about Peter for the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that we've been doing is we've been using this expression to describe Peter. And you've probably heard it before. You've used it before yourself. The expression was this, bless his heart. And we use this phrase to describe him because he just kind of kept messing up over and over. Almost that he shouldn't have been in this position, right? He should not have been in, in the position right by Jesus' side because he kept just screwing up and messing up over and over again. I mean, think about this. Do you remember how big of a mess or how much of a mess Peter was? Because he was a huge, hot, stinking mess, including when he was walking on water toward Jesus, a miracle was happening. And then he looked around and saw the wind and the rain and the storm and began to doubt Jesus and began to sink. And Jesus said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? Or maybe you remember this. When Jesus needed him most, right? When Jesus needed him most, he was fearful of a young child, a young girl. And when Jesus needed him the most, he even denied knowing Jesus. In Jesus' worst hour, Peter denied knowing Jesus in that moment. Well, something has changed, though. Because, see, Jesus, who we believe to be the Messiah of this broken world, Jesus died and resurrected and then ascended to heaven, and something, in fact, changed because in, in the life of Peter because this happened with Jesus. And, in fact, today we pick up these events six weeks after those events, okay? So kind of like understand the time frame. So Jesus spent three years with Peter and his disciples. Like he, uh, they watched Jesus do ministry for three years, right? And then Jesus dies, resurrected, ascends to heaven, okay? And all of a sudden, about six weeks later, something is happening in the life of Peter. Peter is all of a sudden a new man, Peter is all of a sudden a new creation. And I started to ask myself, because we see Peter in the scripture get bold in his faith, and he was so scared before, and I'm going to take a look at that today. But I started to ask myself, hey, what happened? Why, what was the difference? What was the one difference between who Peter was, afraid of a little child even asking him if he knew Jesus, and now? What happened in the life of Peter? We sat around this week as a staff team and kind of went through this, and there was one answer that we found, and it's something that we haven't necessarily talked about here at Downtown Harbor Church uh, before. So uh, stay with me, because I need to unpack a little bit related to this thing that I'm going to talk about. The difference in the life of Peter from the time before Jesus died and was resurrected and six weeks later was this thing that I'm going to mention. It was the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've probably heard the word Trinity before, or the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You might be familiar with that. If you haven't been around and you're newer to the local church, this is exciting because I want to kind of unpack for you what the Holy Spirit is. Because Jesus said to us that when you say yes to following after me, something happens in your own life, and my spirit kind of enters your life. Now, 
we don't have this all figured out. I don't have this all figured out. I don't get all of this. And sometimes people kind of go, this is like a little wacky side of things. Yes, it's just in the scripture, so we believe it and understand it. But it's said that when we say yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, enters your life, and you are now able to do things that you weren't before, that your life has been changed in a radical way, and the Holy Spirit allows you to do things that you were not able to do before. It's the idea that you have a resource. It's the third person of the Trinity, and God is now kind of like living inside of us when we can, so we can make decisions and do things in ways that we couldn't before. Okay, you following me? So when Jesus says, hey, this is how you should do this. This is how you should live your life. A lot of times we sit around here and we go, that seems kind of impossible. But with the Holy Spirit in your life, it is not impossible anymore. Now, Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 7, said this about the Holy Spirit. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I'm going away. So Jesus is going away, right? For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Spiritual, radical stuff. As I've said, we don't even necessarily as a staff... We're not able to wrap our minds around this, or maybe even as a church a lot, but this is what Jesus said, okay? So Peter is radically different because of why? Because now, as a follower of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit came, it entered his life and his heart and his body in some way, and now he was able to do things in a radically different way than he did before, okay? That's kind of like the, we'll set the stage for understanding today. Now, I want to put another word on the screen, okay? And this is a word that you may be familiar with. Maybe you're not, though. So another word is the Sanhedrin. Now, who were the Sanhedrin? What were these people, and what did they have to do in Israel um, during this time, six weeks after the resurrection of Jesus? Here, here's what the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, follow me on this, was an assembly of 23 to 71 men appointed in every city in the land of Israel, okay? And what happened was is that Peter, new Peter, bold Peter, and another disciple named John, they were about to have an experience or an exchange with this group of leadership called the Sanhedrin, okay? And it happens in the book of Acts when the early church was forming, okay? Peter was different and bold and so radically different than his former self because of the Holy Spirit. So here's what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, right, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So here's Peter and John speaking to the people, and these religious scholars of the time are coming up to them. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles, the disciples, Peter and John, were teaching the people, proclaiming in the Jesus the resurrection of proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Peter, this guy, hot mess, scared of the government, denies Jesus, is now, because of the Holy Spirit, talking to this group of people about the resurrection from the dead of Jesus. Completely different man. So they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But there was a problem. And here's the problem. That these religious leaders, these Sanhedrin, they had to deal with this. Here's the problem as it goes on. It says, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Peter, completely different man now because of the Holy Spirit. 
And because now God is living inside of him, he's able to do different things than he was before. And i got to tell you something. The Sanhedrin, the scholars and the religious leaders, they were ready to kill these guys. They were ready to take them and behead them or whatever, they're because they were hot. You are not going to challenge this. We are not going to have you guys talking to people about this. And you want to talk about the bold faith of Peter, completely, completely changed. So what did they do? So the Sanhedrin questioned Peter and John, because what Peter and John did in a moment was something that was another miracle because of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They were actually able to heal a man. Um, I don't, the scripture's not necessarily specific on how this happens, but a man who was lame and weak was healed, okay? So in Acts chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says this. It says, now this is them talking, right? Now if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then you know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I love when they say that. Who, by the way, you guys nailed him to a cross, who you crucified, but with whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you today, what? Healed. And then in this next verse, he just says it so, so well. He said, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The stone that you guys nailed to a cross, who you guys killed, it's by his power, healing in the name of Jesus, that we're able to do this. This is the only reason it's able to be done, through God's Holy Spirit. And then when they saw the courage of Peter, I love that word, because, you know, six weeks ago, Peter was a wimp, right? Right? When you, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, don't miss this, this is so key, unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary men, not religious scholars, not people who were royalty, not people who were hierarchy, you know, on the chain of a hierarchy in a local church. Unschooled, or, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men, people who weren't educated, and now they were spreading the message of Jesus like never before. Mind you, there were no scrolls or scriptures that they had back then. The Bible was not written. This is just the story of what they had physically and verbally seen when Jesus was risen from the dead. Unschooled, ordinary men, not the Sanhedrin, not the religious leaders of the time, people who were just normal, people who were just run-of-the-mill folks. And dare I say, had they not did what they did, we probably wouldn't even be sitting in this room right here, unschooled, ordinary men. But verses six weeks before, you want to know what's different? You want to know what is different? Because there's only one thing. They're the same exact guys that they were. But the Holy Spirit had been given to them. And that's what allowed them to do far more than they could do on their own. And we can sit and talk about this over coffee and lunch, and you can ask me my opinions of the Holy Spirit and what it looks like and what it means. And i got to tell you guys, I don't even know that I would be able to give you the best answer, right? But it's just a weird, unique, spiritual thing that when you say yes to Jesus, God's Holy Spirit enters your life and heart and mind, and you're able to do things that you weren't able to before. And I'll tell you this. One of the things that I love so much about the story of Peter as it relates to the local church because Peter was just an unschooled, ordinary man telling people about Jesus, representing Jesus, right? 
the local church of today? The local church has led us to believe that we need to be scholars to represent Jesus. They've led us to believe that if we don't have enough education or enough training or haven't gone through enough classes, that how dare we allow ourselves to represent Jesus to a culture that so desperately needs him, that so desperately needs the love of this broken world, right? And Jesus' love with skin on it came. But the local church of today has kind of said, hey, listen, until you go do this, until you participate in this, really you can't be talking about this. You don't know enough. And unfortunately, these guys were just ordinary guys. These guys were just ordinary, run-of-the-mill guys. You know what phrase I love so much and I love so much about all of us? is that they're just normal. They're just normal, active people in society, active people in culture, and they're just doing right where they're at. They're exercising their faith because they have the Holy Spirit in their life. And that's why. So I want to kind of pause for a second because this is a big moment for us to talk about what that looks like for you. How would you share your faith? What does that look like for you? Well, I have to just tell you that next Sunday, if you are in Fort Lauderdale, you're physically in the state of Florida, drive down here, even if you're not in the city, because here's what's going to happen. Right out there, one service at 1030, we are going to have our first ever baptism service at Downtown Harbor Church. And what's so cool about it is, is that everyone who is going to be baptized on that day is actually going to write their story out. They have a form. And while they're waiting to be baptized, someone's going to read it aloud. And I got to tell you, it's the, one of the most powerful things that you will ever, ever see happen, to watch the life of someone who has been changed by God and the local church. And so then, we're just going to dunk a bunch of people next week. It's going to be the first thing. First time we've ever done it. I'm going to have my bathing suit on, right? It's going to be green. It's got pelicans on it. It's really kind of exciting. I told you, like, you know, I got all kinds of patterns these days. It's got pelicans, so I really like it. But here's, this, is what's, this is what's so key. So many times we feel like we can't tell our story because we don't know enough or we're not educated enough. And so I started to ask myself this question. As it relates to the end of Peter's, like, run and his boldness, right? What's the practical for us? Bless his heart. That's what we've said for three weeks about this guy. Just a guy who looks like he might be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Bless his heart, right? But what's the practical for us? It's so important for you to understand this because this is so key. Because this is right where we dr drive it home. Because we always want people to come in on Sunday and then know what? Know exactly what to do on Monday. The practical is the first thing is, first of all, understanding your placement. Understanding your placement in life. Do you know? That only you are uniquely crafted to reach or reach out to the people who you can reach out to. Everybody does not have the same set of friends or the same set of family or the same set of circumstances or the same business, right? Only you can do what you can do with what you have. So first of all, it's just a recognizing that, yes, listen, there are people on my path. There are people that only I'm going to be able to represent Jesus to. And so we kind of encourage people to do this. This is so key. Show people Jesus, and if necessary, use words. Because, you know, a lot of times, it doesn't even have to be a conversation. It's just about the way that you've decided to live your life. 
a way that he has instructed us to live rooted in love and peace and hope and restoration and redemption. Imagine when someone sees your life change. You know what? There might come a point where they come up to you and they go, why? Or maybe next Sunday, if you've decided that, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this baptism thing for the first time. Maybe there are a number of people who you know have no business being in a church. They don't want to go to church. They don't like church, but they want to come maybe hear your story. You are uniquely positioned to do that. Only you can do what you can do with what you have. And then should it lead to a conversation, here's what I want you to know. I don't know everything about God or the scriptures. I just don't. But sometimes people will ask questions based on your life. And here's another practical thing I want you to understand. You can talk about this. You can have a conversation. Don't miss this. This is key. Even if you don't have an education. So I have to tell you my story real quick. Um, I had been in, working in local churches my entire adult life. And I knew probably about a couple of years ago that there was a tug on my heart to start speaking more and communicating more and leading more and getting involved with other people's lives. And I was told over and over again, because I didn't have an education, that I didn't deserve the right to wear this on my ear and didn't deserve the right to speak in front of people just like this. Which is why, of course, a couple of us just decided, hey, it's time to go start something new. We're, we're outside of the religious system of the day. So even if you don't have an education, you can talk about it. You know why this is so important? Because I don't. I don't have one. I stand up here before you every single week. You know, I have two bachelor's degrees. One's a bachelor of arts with an emphasis in language, right? And the second is a secondary, degree, secondary education degree in English. And I say to people over and over again, they go, what do you do? I tell them. And they go, how are you doing that without a seminary degree from a Christian education school? I said, you know what? Here's the reason I didn't go get one of those. Because I'm just a normal, ordinary guy who takes the lead from the people who are in the scripture who didn't have that either. And I'm not saying education's bad, because it's a good thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't be educated. Those are excellent things, but it just wasn't my path in life. So I don't. And here's another thing that's just a practical. When someone talks to you, or maybe you feel like you can't share, or you shouldn't share, or you don't get into a conversation, right? I've heard this a lot. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about the scriptures. Here, here, here's the key. There are going to come points in time where you have conversations with people, maybe about spiritual things, and it comes up, and they ask a question, and they're like, hey, I don't necessarily you know, know about this. Here's, here's one of the best things that you can ever say. I don't know. I, I don't know. And that's okay, because I believe in saying the phrase, I don't know. I believe the phrase, I don't know, is a very powerful phrase, right? What happened to the dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm not God. What happened? You know, who made God? I don't know. I'm not God. Why did it take them 18 months to fix the bathrooms at the museum? I don't know. I'm not God, right? The bathrooms are nice, though. Get a chance to check them out. They're decent play. I was in there this morning. It's nice. Here's what, here's what this is. I don't know enough about the Bible. Bull, your experience with God is more powerful than your education. Your experience with God is way more powerful than your education. At least mine is. People will ask me questions about Jesus and the scriptures in the Bible all the time. And you know what I say? This is my answer over and over again. You know what? You have an amazing question. What a question that I don't know the answer to, right? But I can just tell you one thing. I can tell you this. 
is that I'm a living, walking, breathing human example of, of what faith in Jesus has done to my life. And it saved my life. That's all we have to say sometimes. And that's why this is so key. Turn on the practical, just real quick. What if someone asks you a question you don't know? Well, A, it's okay to say, I don't know. Just understand that. And B, another idea might be something like this. You know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but I'd like to discover it. So let's look together. Maybe we could sit down and have a cup of coffee. Maybe we could sit down and kind of pull, pull this apart together and talk about it together, right? Because guys, at the end of the day, Peter was an ordinary, normal dude who had God's spirit in him because he had said yes to Jesus and then went out and began to transform humanity. Peter, who was a mess, we talked about this in week one, was renamed Peter Petros in Greek, which means rock. He was renamed by Jesus because Jesus said, on you, Peter, on you, I will build my church. You are going to be a vessel to go reach people. You, a mess, right where you're at. Not some religious scholar, not one of these Pharisees who is all high and mighty and claims to know so much. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm taking an or normal, ordinary people, just like a lot of us in this room. We're just normal, ordinary guys and gals. And that's okay. Here's what I want you to know. God can use you right where you're at. God can use your story. Might take a word or two at some point, but let your life be that light that shines in a way that people just go, I don't know what he or she has, but I want it. I don't know why they're so filled with joy, but I want it. That's what faith in Jesus looks like. That's what God's spirit allows us to do living in us. Here's what I want you to know. So if you've ever been confused on this by the local church, I want to apologize up front. But here's what I want you to know. You don't have to be a scholar to share the message of Jesus. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be extremely educated. You just have to have a changed life. That someone looks at you and goes, man, they're different. They're different than they used to be. And what I love so much about next week is that you're going to get to hear from a whole bunch of folks who've had a changed life. And that is an amazingly powerful thing that we're all going to get to witness together. So one service at 1030, I guarantee you, you do not want to miss out on next week's service here at Downtown Harbor Church. Because you know what you're going to see? You're going to see a whole bunch of ordinary people get in a tank and talk about why their life is different and why their life has changed. And until you witness that, you haven't seen nothing. It's so, so powerful. Here's the deal, gang. You don't have to be a scholar to share the message of Jesus. Don't let someone confuse you about this. Don't let the local church tell you that you don't know enough. Don't let the local church tell you that you are, you know, you should not be up here or out there talking to somebody about it or sharing your life. Don't let it happen. It's not true. But unfortunately, so many of us have just been told that over and over again. So we've accepted it as reality. I call bogus. I say, no way. I say, you have a story and a life and you've been changed. Go represent it to a broken, broken world, just like Peter did, with God's spirit living inside of him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are. We always just start out by just saying, God, thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And God, some of us here today are a mess, just like Peter was. Some of us are bold and 
we're just on a different path. I don't know where everybody's at, but I'll tell you this. I know that you're working through each one of our lives. I know, God, that you work through your people when they call and reach out to you. And God, I just want you to know that we are so in love with you and thank you for the life of Peter. God, we talk about a lot of guys around here, Paul, Jesus, Peter. But one of the things that I love about the life of Peter is that he was a disaster. He was a mess, and you chose him anyway. And you've chosen us anyway, too. Help us to do that. Help us to recognize that. Help us to understand that. And God, some of us just need to figure out what it means to have faith in you for the first time. I pray that you would move our hearts today so that we could love you and you would be in our lives and be ever-present and so your spirit would fill us so that we could be changed as well. Today we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.